Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses, we're going to look in verses 1 through 4. We'll, we'll cover more than those, first, those four verses, but we're going to, for our reading, for time's sake, we're going to cover just these four verses. Um, you know, I, I pray that you've already enjoyed the service so far. And thinking about what today is, uh, we thank Brother Marcus for how he is, how he took those kids and shared with them the importance of what today really is. It is homecoming here, but it's a reminder to us of a bigger homecoming that's coming. And I, <laughs> you know, when we think about that, when we think about today being homecoming and that great homecoming that's coming. We can't help but worship the Lord, can we? After all, 100, over 140 years, over 140 years ago, there was a group of people who came together to form a church. And this church eventually built a building in this community. And the purpose of this church being formed was corporate worship. Which is what we are here for today. It's corporate worship. Yes, uh, some of them may have hoped that through the church and the building that the community was providing, that there would be opportunity for their children to learn to read or even go to school. But maybe even they, they felt like with this church in the community, our kids would have a better chance at an education. <laughs> This may have been what was on some of them's mind. But ultimately, they come together to have a place that the community could come to for corporate worship. That was the primary purpose of this place being formed. And it's been handed down to their children and their children and their children. And we have today... Folks who aren't connected to the history of the church, who are now part of our church and just as part of the church as anyone who's connected to the history Amen. of this church. Amen. What we know is that God has blessed the gathering of those who initially came together under a brush arbor. And God has continued to bless. There have been years that proved to be more fruitful than others, but God has blessed. Many churches are getting smaller in number. Many churches are struggling with leadership. Many churches are closing their doors and selling property. But God has blessed right here in Fairmont. There's no other explanation for us being here over 140 years than God blessing us. It doesn't matter where you come from, what family you were part of. It doesn't matter what your background is. God has blessed, and that's the only reason we're here. So we ought to worship him today, hadn't we? He's worthy to be worshiped today. Let me encourage us all to... Continue to worship and never, never lose ourselves with worry. <laughs> Let's worship and never lose ourselves with worry. 
Curtis Jones shared, through the ages, Christians have looked upon the church as a company of the committed, the visible followers of Christ, members of his body in a broken world, pilgrims en route to New Jerusalem. Many believers consider the church as God's conduit, the carrier of the faith from one generation to another. I wonder, what does the community see when they see us? When they see us, do they see a company of committed, visible members in this broken world living en route to the new Jerusalem? If they do, or if that's what we want them to see, then the church must be united as worshipers of God. To be true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, we can't only worship him. When things are going well, we can't only worship him when we're on the mountain. We can't only worship him when life is at its best. We, the church, the true worshipers of God, we must worship him despite our feelings, despite our circumstances. We must worship him despite our fears. He's worthy of our worship. No matter what this life throws at us, in today's text, we see how this truth applies, that he's worthy of our worship. The Bible tells us here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others were with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have been faithful to this hollowed ground, to this place, God, where a church formed and they they purposed in their hearts to have a place to where it was set aside to worship you. Help us, God, to always remember that's what this place is for. It's not for our own agendas. It's not for what the world is looking for. It's to worship you. So God, help us to always look to you. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we may fear or we may stress over or have anxiety over, help us to always look to you. And God, we pray that if, that you, as you've been faithful, that you'll continue to be faithful. For God, we know that's in your nature. That's who you are so you can be nothing else. So God, in your faithfulness, speak to each heart that's here today. Help us worship you. And for those who are not able to worship you, those who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, speak to them today. Pour your spirit upon them. Help them to see they need a savior and they can come today and we can worship together. Oh God.
Have your way. And we'll praise you for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. King Solomon's great, great grandson, Jehoshaphat. When we come to this passage in scripture, he has become the king of Judah. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 17, in verses 3 through 4, the Bible says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the bells, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. What that lets us know is that if we'll seek God, God will be right there with us. Because he did what was right in the sight of God, God was with him as he became king of Judah. Jehoshaphat's reign, it was going very well. As a matter of fact, he looked, he took down idols from high places. He established reforms that were being supported. Revival seemed to be taking place in Judah. When we look here, we find that we have to keep in mind that when things are going well, we have an enemy out there who seeks to destroy all that God is doing in the lives of his people. A pastor recently encouraged me with this truth. He had, I had to be reminded of this. It's always when things are going well that I'm the most nervous. That's because when things are going well, Satan is hardest at work to disrupt what's happening. Uh, this is a case, this is the case here that we find in the life of Jehoshaphat. As we look here in verse 1 in chapter 20, the Bible says it happened after this. It happened after reform was taking place. It happened after Jehoshaphat had purpose in his heart. He was going to, he was going to rule as God would have him to. It happened after revival is taking place here in Judah. After he took down these idols from high places and his reforms were supported, after revivals taking place in the land, word of trouble came to him. And there came reason for worry. There was reason for worry. As a matter of fact, we have to understand what the reason was. Word came to Jehoshaphat that a three-nation coalition, the, Mo, the Moabites, the Ammonites and the Midianites. Now, the Bible doesn't in the New King James. I don't think the King James does. But in other translations, it lists the Midianites. These were people who were from Mount Seir in Edom. They, along with the Moabites and the Ammonites, were launching an invasion of Judah. Now, we don't know why they were attacking Judah, but it seems evident that new, the news caught Jehoshaphat off guard. It caught him by surprise. On top of getting the news that this diverse group was coming, he was told that they had already invaded and conquered En Gedi. Apparently, these enemy forces had crossed the Dead Sea from Edom and launched a surprise attack from the south. In route, uh, the route that they took, it, it wasn't used very much. As a matter of fact, it was a perfect route for a surprise attack. And here they are. Not far at all from Judah marching onward. The Bible says 
that Jehoshaphat feared. Why would he have been afraid? Well, just think about it. Things were going well. So he probably let his guard down. People were supporting him. So he probably let his guard down. He was leading the people to seek God and God was with him. So he probably let his guard down. And out of nowhere, these armies came together to attack him and he wasn't prepared. As a matter of fact, it doesn't appear he had time to put together a defense to conquer these armies. I wonder, what are we afraid of today? What makes us anxious? What causes us to worry? And you know, don't shout it out. I don't, I don't, don't, don't shout it out. Maybe you can relate to these though. Perhaps you have aging parents and you see them getting weaker day by day. And you may wonder, what am I going to do when they're no longer with me? Or maybe you have teenagers And the more you look at him, the more you see yourself and your concern because of how of all everything that you put your own parents through. Or perhaps you're a new parent and you're wondering, how am I going to raise this child in the fear and the ammunition of God when this world hates him and those who serve him? Or maybe, just maybe, You and your spouse recently have been fighting and fussing and out of nowhere for the first time, the word divorce came up. Or maybe you just got news of a diagnosis. You don't want to tell anyone because you're trying to process things yourself. So you can figure out what your next steps are. You know, these are scenarios that can cause anyone to worry. These are scenarios that can bring fear upon anyone. And it should be understood. Now, let me say this, and some of you may not like it. It's okay. You talk to God about it. You have a right to be wrong. If anyone tells you you're wrong, if anyone has anything negative to say about you having a moment of worry in these circumstances, never listen to them again. If they try to tell you that sin, never listen to them. They've got a warped view of the scriptures. We have an enemy that is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy us. And these moments of fear or anxiety, these moments of worry, they're brought about by our humanity. Folks, listen, Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us this. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
And he did that. He took my sin and your sin upon himself on an old rugged cross. And he endured it so that he could bring us to him in glory to where we can spend eternity with him. But we can't forget what happened prior to the cross. We can't forget the Garden of Eden. We can't forget, or or the Garden, Garden of Gethsemane. We can't forget what Matthew says in 27 and 37 where it says that Jesus was sorrowful and deeply distressed what do I mean by that the word distress carries the same meaning as worry anxious and troubled so in other words Jesus was sorrowful and deeply troubled he was sorrowful and deeply anxious he was sorrowful and deeply worried as a matter of fact Jesus says in verse 38 of that same chapter my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. <laughs> you know why? In the moment he was fully human. Yes, Jesus was fully God. He's 100% God while we walked on this earth, but he's also 100% man. So he was 100% human as he walked on earth. He was sorrowful. He was so sorrowful. Luke 22 and 44 tells us that, that his agony was such that his sweat fell as drops of blood. But what we do know is that even though Jesus had this moment of anxiety, this moment of worry, this moment of fear, he said, not my will, but yours be done. (laughs) Folks, listen, anxiety, worry, fear are part of being human. Our response to it is what concerns the Lord. And when we look here in the passage, we see the response to worry that you and I should have. The passage shows how Jehoshaphat responds to his fear. What did he do? He set himself before the Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. And what we can see here is that it wasn't just about him seeking the Lord. He gathered Judah together and declared a fast throughout all the land. Jehoshaphat got in the middle of the assembly and he led his people to pray. As a matter of fact, verse six, verses 6 through 12 tells us this. It says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might? so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and and have built you a sanctuary in it in your name saying, if disaster comes upon a sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence, you, your name is in the in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear you will hear and save and now here are the people of Ammon Moab Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given to us to inherit oh our god will you not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us nor do we know what to do 
but our eyes are upon you. When we don't know what to do, we set our eyes upon the Lord. And get this, verse 13, this is what made me shout out on my seat in the study. It says, not all, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. It wasn't enough just at the leaders. It wasn't enough just at the men. It was all of Judah had to come together at this time because an enemy was coming to destroy them. And if there's ever a time, every house of God needs everybody to come together united. It is in the day that we're living in. Our enemy wants to destroy us. And the only way we can fight it is to come together seeking the face of God. He's the only one that can conquer I'm not worried about Israel. We we better as a country do everything we can to support them. But God's got this. And God's going to take care of his people. Here, the people in the midst of fear and worry, they joined together and they worshiped God. (laughs) Oh, well, I imagine to the world, that's just odd. (laughs) When they can see all the trouble, all the stress, all the, all your circumstances and all you want to do is just worship God. Don't let the world say what they want to say. Just worship God. Amen. Amen. I know here the people in the midst of their fear and worry join together to worship. Now, some of you are thinking we're preaching. It says prayer. You're stretching this. Some of you may be even thinking, oh, it was just a prayer. <laughs> Well, let me share this with you. If that's where your mind is at, you don't have the heart for worship anyway. (laughs) Because prayer is never just prayer. Prayer is the very most that any of us can do. What greater thing can we do for anybody than to seek the face of God on their behalf? There's nothing greater we can do. The word worship it comes from a word that means to assign worship. We shared that with you last week. But worship is the reverential response of creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. <laughs> oh, you didn't respond to that the way I did in my study. Let me read that again. Worship is the reverential response of creation, you and I, to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. That is our response. In other words, that should be natural for you and I. It should be just what we do. It should be something we've got to be moved to do. It should be something we just do. We worship him. In other words, we worship God because he's deserving of all worship. He's deserving of all praise. He's deserving of all our love. William Temple said this. Well, yeah, William Temple once said this. I'm sorry. I put them notes up and I need them. <laughs> I got to start numbering pages. <laughs> uh, in this prayer, in this prayer, Joseph acknowledges God is the only God in heaven. He is sovereign. He's the sovereign God of all. Jehoshaphat acknowledged God himself and gave 
the, that God himself gave the promised land to his people, the descendants of Abraham. So this, in this prayer, we see Jehoshaphat acknowledging God. So in this prayer, he's worshiping God. You know, he is the only God in heaven. He is sovereign. He is in control of everything, everywhere. Satan may be the Lord of this, uh, of, of the earth, but I want to let you know he can't do anything God won't allow him to do. He has no power over God. God is still in control of everything. And that's why we can read at the back of the book and know that we've already won. Jehoshaphat, he declared, he acknowledged God had gave them this promised land. And he declared God's people had built a temple for God. In this prayer, he said, in the land that you gave them, they built this temple. And he recalls to God in this prayer his, the promise that he had made to Solomon that was declared to the people. And we find that in Second Chronicles 7 and 14, which says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, God would hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So let me ask... <laughs> When you see nothing but trouble headed your way, and you don't know what to do, what's the first thing you do? <laughs> uh, I'm glad no one shouted to whine or mope or to waller in fear and, dis- and disappointment. We seek the Lord. But listen, let me ask you this. Do you enlist others to seek the Lord with you or do you rather keep it to yourself? Whether you seek the Lord yourself or you enlist other men and women to join you, you let those you enlist know what you're praying for. What do you mean by that? You tell them what you're praying for and you ask them to join you in prayer. We've shared in the past that we need to be specific in our prayer and our prayer request. And this is a way to be specific is that you pray and you know what you're praying for. And you ask others to join you in that prayer. Don't pass a prayer request to them and, and just depend on their prayers. You, you pray. Jehoshaphat didn't call the priest. He didn't call the Levites. He didn't call the scribes to lead the prayer. As a matter of fact, he led the prayers. And when you pray, go to God in the spirit of worship. Acknowledge who he is and what he's already done. And give appreciation for the blessings that he's provided before you ever ask him anything for a need. Jehoshaphat did share his predicament. And there are time in the prayer when you need to share your predicament. And when you need to seek for deliverance. And I want to encourage us all that when we seek God for deliverance, let the world see that we trust him and his will. Just like these Hebrew boys who were faced with a fiery furnace in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. The Bible says in 18 in our God or 17, 18 in our God. This is these boys talking to King Nebuchadnezzar who could have killed them on the spot but was throwing them in a fiery furnace. They said, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace 
us and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if he decides not to deliver me, in other words, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you've set up. In other words, whether you get the answer you want, whether it happens in the time that you want it, continue to worship God. I I firmly believe those who established the church here in this community, they worship God, they prayed to God, and they waited on God. And whatever God decided to do, whatever his will was, they praised and worshiped God for it. Whether he delivers you or not, set your face before the Lord. And worship him. Why? Because there's a reward. There's a reward for those who worship. We see, we've seen the reason for worry and we've seen the response to worry. But listen, folks, there's a, re, there's a reward when we worship God. Here are the people. Here are the people are. Jehoshaphat has poured his heart out to God in the midst of silence. The Spirit of God spoke to Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, and he told the assembly, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle's not yours, but God's. Can I say it like we would say it today? God's saying to them, Focus on me. Not on everything that's going around you because I got this. (laughs) I got this. That's what he would be saying. Oh, here, yes, they're giving instructions on what to do. And they position people as God told them to. But he shares again in verse 17. "Do Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. (laughs) (laughs) And before Jehoshaphat went out to prepare for battle, verse 18 says that he bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord and worshiped the Lord. They had purpose in their heart. They cried out to God that only God could fix this. And when God answered their prayer, <laughs> they didn't just get up and leave. They acknowledged the God of heaven and his power and his might. And they fell down and worshiped him again. <laughs> Oh, I wonder. (laughs) I wonder. Is worship that important to us? Is worship that important to us? William Temple once said this, Worship is the nourishment of the mind upon God's truth. Worship is the quickening of the conscience by God's holiness. Worship is the cleansing of the imagination by God's beauty. Worship is the response.
response of my life to God's plan for my life. I don't know what William Temple was reading, but it seems like he was reading this passage out of Second Chronicles. Because that, that must have been how Jehoshaphat felt when he heard from God. When he heard God would take care of Judah. In other words, God had a plan for Jehoshaphat. And the people of Judah and the coalition would not stop God's plan. And Jehoshaphat and all the inhabitants of Judah worshipped God. Folks, I'm not sure where you are right now. I'm not sure if you're feeling the grip of anxiety, worry, or fear. Well, if it gets a hold of you, it can hold on tight. But if you are, I don't want to in any way minimize what you're going through. But if you're a born-again believer, if you're confident in your relationship with God, I want to encourage you to worship him. Take your mind off of what's troubling you and set your eyes upon the Lord. Set purpose in your heart to seek his face. Call out to him and thank him for what he's already done. He's given you a promise of his, of his ever presence in your life. What do you mean he promised us he'd never leave us? nor forsake us. He's promised us that our enemy can't touch us. What do you mean, preacher? He said he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies and he has anointed us. And he has promised us that his goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Worship him. He's worthy. Worship him. He's worthy. As our musicians are coming forth, I want to let you know again, he's worthy to be worshiped today. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today to surrender your life to Jesus. The greatest act of worship is to humble yourself and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. To receive the gospel is to receive the power of God for salvation. So the question is, do you believe? As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sin and He rose from the dead. If you believe this, you need to know that He offers you this same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave. But you must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sin to Him and receive Him as your Lord and Savior today. So come, receive Jesus, and let's worship together.